the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. As we head into hour two, it is a delight to welcome back one of my favorite public servants representing Arizona's 6th Congressional District, member of the Joint Economic Committee, David Schweiker. David, how are you, sir? I don't know if I would use the word delight. Why wouldn't you? Do you know something <laughs> I don't know? How's my delightful oh, friend Olivia? Can I use it that oh, way? Oh, Ms. Olivia, it is... Uh, I, for everyone who's listening, I am blessed to have a five-year-old, and when I home, I try to take her almost everywhere with me. And when she meets with Seth, she starts going through all of his toys. Yes, because Seth has a toy box. Yes, with him. yes, yes. Just to entice people like Olivia in. This is a kid-friendly show, and we. Anytime you you and Olivia want to come by, David, you have an open invitation. I hope it you know was that. actually the number of folks who called me after that and think thought that was some one of the funniest yeah. bit of radio oh no it's to. great no we, we'd love to have you anytime you know that i hope you do know that we we do love you and uh and obviously your family and olivia bright brightened it up here you know otherwise it's just we old guys yeah look look it, it's you in a weird way you hit a point for a lot of us in the conservative movement yeah um we're supposed to be the happy warriors yeah. we're yeah. supposed to be the joyful yeah. people of god yeah the children of god yeah and we have spent the last few months just sour. I know. And it is ugly around us. And there's so many things to, I mean, what the left is doing is is actually pretty dark. David, don't you and, think, yeah, I was going to say more than months. Don't you think it's about a year now where they have tried oh, no. to impose this veil of unhappiness and panic on us? Please understand, I believe it's been going on for Years yeah, okay. Fair enough. Years Fair enough. and years. Yeah. But, um, and, and this is, there's all sorts of uh, polling and studies. People who lean left are just much more unhappy That's with right. their lives. That's right. People who lean right um, are much more joyful. Yeah. It's just a nature of... We're more optimistic. Um, we're more joyful. We tend to be more involved in charitable causes, as it turns out, as well. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. But what's sort of happened is now they've taken power. Yep. And they want everyone else to be as miserable as they are. Yeah. And if you look at the things they're making us vote on here in Washington, they intend to spread their misery throughout our country. So it's two things that you're on to um, specifically I want to talk to you about. One of them is this behemoth called H.R. 1, and the other is uh, the $1.9 trillion spending package. Oh. Let's do the second one first yeah, because and, it's and not and as that, big a deal. Not, that you're going to deal with every year. So let's deal with that first. Well, you're against that. I got to tell you, yeah. that's just the beginning. It's like they lined up dominoes. Okay. Okay. They have lined up a dominoes of really horrible policy, and and a number of them will not make it even through the Senate, even with the Democrat control there. They're so ugly. Yeah. But it is payoff time for the left. It is payoff time for the public employees unions. It's payoff time for the teachers unions. It's payoff, and that's what we're seeing. If anyone it doubts this, crazy. all they have to do is look at today's news from Joe Biden, where he's now said teachers can just jump the line 
and be in the first vaccination category everywhere. That is a total payoff. There is no need for 29-year-old kindergarten teachers to have to get vaccinated. There's just no reason for it. Anyway, sorry, it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so it appears. Um, and, you know, from Ways and Means to my Joint Economic Committee, we've had our teams sort of trying to break down these pieces of legislation. And the number of just craziness. I think we just found $300 million in the COVID spending bill um, to study minks. Yeah, sure. Well, you it's know, an the, important the, thing. The, the you very yeah. furry rodents. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to go, why is that in a stimulus bill? And it was a payoff to some um, Democrat member of Congress who said, I need money mm-hmm. um, to get my vote. This is, it's the battle days are back. And isn't it an, an assault, an, a special assault, David, talking to David Schweikert, an a special assault on federalism when you have people in Arizona, Florida, Texas making pretty stable decisions, having to bail out and pay for people in California, New York and New Jersey who are making stupid decisions? Isn't, isn't there an assault um, on, on our federalist yeah. system about that? It's an assault and, and a number of things. You're now talking about their H.R. 1. Yes. To give you an idea, you know, they chose that to be their first piece of legislation. A, I believe uh, a chunk of their bill is unconstitutional. Too. Yeah. But you're not being dark enough. Um, that piece of legislation is designed to make the Democrats, to have the Democrats be the permanent majority for as long as possible. They know they're going to take a hit in redistricting because the number of Americans who are fleeing Democrat-controlled enclaves, the Californias, the New Yorks, the Illinois, and so a number of electoral seats, congressional seats, are moving to the Sun Belt, particularly, or more freedom-based states, the Floridas, the Texas, hopefully Arizona. Um, So they're running a piece of legislation to provide public funding for congressional races. Mm -hmm. You give $200... The Democrat member of Congress gets um, six times that money. Uh It's matching. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like that that are just appalling to the public. And they're trying to ram it through. And it's beyond just crushing federalism. It's trying to get a Democrat permanent majority. Do you think this gets – well, predict for me a little bit. I'm guessing it gets through the House. I don't know about the Senate. What do you think? What's your forecasting say? I don't think it gets through the Senate, but my Fear is that they find out how far they can go. Okay. Does a Joe Manchin say, "Oh, if you take this out, right. then I could support it"? Right. And we get, and then right. they turn around and run the next bit of. Uh, I see. So um, this is a battle you got to be on every day. You wake up early in the morning and take your double shot of espresso, put on your armor, and get ready for the craziness. Um, you and I talked about this last time. It was on. <laughs> the public has no concept how everything has been weaponized, and that's happened for years now. Yep. You will be investigated. You will be attacked. Your donors will be attacked. You know, the people who put your, their sign, your sign in their front yard will be... It is, it's an attack on conservatism at every possible level. Yep. Um, because the left doesn't want to win. They want to destroy what they see as their enemy. That's right. I mean, I it's perfectly illustratable. Oh, it's perfectly illustratable. Just tell me this. If you or Ben Shapiro or me go to a college campus to give a speech, we need security. 
If a leftist goes, they don't. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Um, you know, uh, years ago when also we maybe a, walking the streets of D.C. if you're if you're a Republican <laughs> senator. Oh, you can't walk right. The, right, if, right. You're around the Capitol right, right now. Right. Um, a member of Congress, you have to find a gate yeah. that's open. I um, mean, it, it, it is. I feel like I'm in the green zone in Iraq. Yep. Yep. Um, it, but that's. You try not to, as a member of Congress, complain about that they make us now go through metal detectors and wear masks and all do all these all the things, because the American people have to live That's with these right. sorts of things That's too. That's right. That's right. That's um, the left is willing to destroy people of faith, people mm-hmm. of conservatism, people mm-hmm. of traditional values, mm-hmm. people who just want the you know a sense of freedom, yep. people who own a firearm, people that, and. It's amazing they're able to build a coalition, but um, what holds their coalition together? Is it being paid off? Is it hate? Is it hate of us? Um, Hate is a huge motivator. I think hate is a huge motivator in politics. But I'll tell you something, David. You tell me if if you agree with this or not. I don't know where you stand on this. For the last year, I've had, as you have had, the challenge of – talking about socialism and leftist governance as a theoretical proposition and why people should be worried about it. We lost that election on a national level. Now they're going to have it in reality, and that's going to inure to our favor. That's what I think. They're going to see the actual of the theoretical we were trying to describe, and they're not going to like it. I hope. Um, I hope. Where where there's a weakness in your theory is most people are busy living their lives. They're trying to survive their businesses being shut down, trying to get their business get back going again, take care of their family, those things. If they perceive that the government is giving them free things, yeah. even though yeah. very soon yeah. we hit a wall yeah. and there's time to pay for good point. those free things. That's a good point. But for a little while, do you buy the love? Yeah. And I think that's what um, you know that $1.9 trillion is about. Yeah. You know, when the... Smart economists, when the others say, hey, you need to help small businesses, you need to help individuals who've been crushed, but that costs a fraction. Yeah. And the $1.9 trillion, by the time it's done, is $2.5, 3000000000000 because you've got to add the interest of on course. it because we're never paying it off. Um, so, yes, the public will start to see what this type of totalitarianism, because this is much darker than socialism. Well, but David, keep if your, they're yeah. being given free stuff, yeah. hopefully they'll they'll see through that. Keep your armor on. Don't make it so long between visits, and do bring Olivia by. It'd be fun. I, I, I no, it would be <laughs> lifting. It, it's uplifting. You know, we need we need more of that. Well, happy, you know, happy it, days it, should be here again. You know, you're very kind. All right, keep up the battle. Uh, all right, tell uh, tell tell your family I said hi. Tell the sixth congressional district I love them, and. Um, Godspeed to you, David. Don't make it so long between visits. Honestly, I love talking with you. All right. You take care. God bless you, brother. You could hardly – you could hardly miss a radio – you could hardly see, watch, or listen to a radio or TV show today and not hear – about the scandal over Dr. Seuss all over every show and every news. If you tuned into my monologue yesterday, you would have been informed on it. I spoke, uh, dedicated my whole monologue to it yesterday. 
when Bill, my producer, said to me yesterday around uh, 2 o'clock, what are you working on for your monologue? I said uh, that the woke left is coming after Dr. Seuss for being racist. He said, hilariously, what took him so long? I lo- <laughs> what? That was very funny, Bill. What took him so long? What's next? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, probably? Probably. Probably. Um, one of the scholars at the Loudoun County, Virginia schools said that um, she was reading a report about Dr. Seuss that found he featured animals and non-human characters that transmit Orientalist, anti-black, and white supremacist messaging through allegories and symbolism. Did you know you could have non-human characters (laughs) transmit white supremacist messaging through allegories and symbolism? What took them so long? The other big issue, she says, is that um, the cat in the hat imagery was in part based on the fact that Dr. Seuss saw a black woman in an elevator and used her image to create the cat in the hat. Um, She cited a professor, a Dr. Nell, for finding this little piece of history, Philip Nell. It's interesting. You know, you go through life, 50, 60 years of Dr. Seuss, and everyone loves him. The Obamas loved him. They spoke about him positively. So you can have some little unhappy person somewhere say, let's go digging and find something negative about the cat in the hat. So I I, I went to this professor's paper, I did, to see what he was saying about this incident where Dr. Seuss took the image of a black woman and made that the cat in the hat. Because I've thought I knew the cat in the hat fairly well. I, I never saw it, this non-human character, as portraying any kind of race or racial subject. So um, here's the story from the professor's write-up. In 1955, Dr. Seuss and William Spalding, director of Houghton Mifflin's Educational Division, stepped into the publisher's elevator at 2 Park Street in Boston. The elevator operator was an elegant, petite woman who wore white gloves and a secret smile. What the historians don't mention is that her name was Annie Williams and she was African-American. O-M-G. Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel, saw a woman he considered elegant and wore white gloves and smiled used some of that muse, evidently, to create the character Cat in the Hat because she had an impression on him, and it's now racist. If anyone can explain how that becomes racist, I swear you deserve to be a tenured professor where Philip Nell is, or in Loudoun County, Virginia, where the governor actually wore blackface and the Democratic Party doesn't care. Dr. Seuss's muse was an elegant, petite woman who wore white gloves and a secret smile. Wow. What a terrible thing to portray in a character, a non-human character. I don't even even see it. 
I mean, I went back and looked at the cat. I don't even see it. Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel, did more for children's literacy, not just literature, literacy, than all the people trying to cancel him combined. These books brought phonics back, deliberately so. I told the story in my monologue yesterday. They came about as a result of a famous study out of Columbia Teachers College, which was the most prominent teacher's college at the time called Why Johnny Can't Read. And the problem was we weren't teaching phonics. And Bennett Cerf and a couple others told Geisel to write a book using phonics. And it created a whole series. Some of you may remember from your childhood, maybe the children's books still have them. I don't know. If they do keep them, they'll be collector's items because they're being canceled. Do you remember these little children's books, Bill, that had up in the little corner of the front cover a picture of the cat in the hat, and it said this is an I Can Read book? It meant it was developed in a way so that it would help teach children literacy, reading comprehension with phonics. That was Theodore Geisel. Never mind all his books about integration and why war is bad and why travel is good and seeing other countries and the environment. The Lorax was, you know, Al Gore before Al Gore. Really an incredible thing. Um, really an incredible thing. I'm shocked. I'm shocked, but I shouldn't be. But when Dr. Seuss isn't safe anymore, when Dr. Seuss isn't safe, then um, there's something sick about this country, don't you think? Don't you think? I mean, his book, The Sneetches, is everything you would want it to be, given the race issues we have in this country. And let me just say what those race issues are. The race, is, the race issues in this country are not race issues per se. They are issues like this that are ramped up because we have done such a good job with race issues that there is a racial grievance industry that needs something to fight against, push against, hit against, and condemn. So it develops issues where there were none. Two presidencies ago, the Obamas could praise Theodore Geisel. Today, he's akin to David Duke. Who knew? Who knew? Once we get rid of the Theodore Geisels, the Dr. Seusses, though, you know we're going to be a better society, right? This will make our children learn better and smarter, especially when you look at the curriculum they are given now by these partnerships with the Cartoon Network and the Black Lives Education Matters Network about transgenderism, right? You know that that's going to be a lot better than children learning that sneeches with stars in their bellies and sneeches without stars on their bellies are the same kind of sneech, have the same value as an individual. You know we're going to be a better society. We got Dr. Seuss. Thank God. What took him so long? What took you so long? Over the break, I was just kind of thinking about that last segment. Remember the, remember the humanitarian crisis in Darfur? By the way, it went away only because the news of it went away. It's still going on. Remember how all these celebrities were getting involved? It was a good cause to be involved in, frankly. Just people didn't understand the real nature of it. 
um, which was a race-based nature. It was Arab versus black. And um, hundreds of thousands of lives lost. I could see someone from the city council in Darfur saying, you know, we have race problems here we've got to deal with. We should go learn what other enlightened countries are doing with their race problems. The United States, we're told, is systemically racist. Let's go to the U.S. Let's, 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 let's put together a, um, a, uh, you know, an investigatory trip, a fact-finding mission to the U.S., and see how they're handling race, their race issues. Maybe we can, maybe we can deploy some of them because they clearly aren't losing three to three hundred thousand people a year to displacement or civil war. And they get here and they go to the embassy or whatever it is they go to here in the United States on their fact-finding mission. They say, "We hear you're a systemically racist country. We have our problems." What is the issue you're dealing with uh, this week or today? Um, how are you How are you dealing with it? And say, well, we're banning Dr. Seuss. They would go home laughing or crying. They would go home. Let we're banning Dr. Seuss. It's a luxurious country that can do that. It's a non-racist country that can do that. Bob's in Peoria. Hi, Bob. <laughs> Wow, I mean, I just have to chuckle at that. Not chuckle, but... Uh, but, right? Really? I mean, I think I mean, my my producer, Bill, really had it best <laughs> when he said, what took him so long? Thank you. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, it's insane. It's what so, took it's him so long. You know A.A. A. Milne is next. You know Winnie the Pooh yeah. because of non-human well, characters. That... Non-human Look characters expressing to... white supremacy. Look what they did to Mark Twain. I mean, there you go. You know. um, some more insanity. I don't know if you watched the Christopher Ray testimony. Some of it. it. Some of it. I, so, I'll tell you why I turned it off. Can I tell you why? I'll be honest with you. Sure. I, and I sure. was hoping someone like you would watch it and call so that I wouldn't have had to. Um, well, I didn't watch all of it. But I, I thought it was a disgrace. And I just, you know. Yeah. The idea that this is what our FBI has become and is and says and plays games with the deaths, the deaths of police officers and American citizens, it disgusted me, Bob. It disgusted me. So the headline is Antifa is a white nationalist conservative group. That's from Christopher Ray, And I just about choked on the banana I was eating. I know. I know. So my question is, is so when President Trump came to office, within his first three months, there were multiple transcripts of calls to foreign leaders leaked. Where are the Joe Biden transcripts that are being leaked? And it's just we're finding just out. So, OK, actually, you, there is one. There is one that got just a blip of news. But the only people who cared about it were talk radio and Fox, believe it or not. And it was John Kerry negotiating with the Iranians throughout the campaign season, which isn't yeah. – it yeah. isn't a surprise, but it's far worse than anything anyone on the Trump campaign did with regard to Russia. Tell me tell yeah. me, tell me, me anyone anyone did on the Trump campaign with regard to Russian collusion. You can't find one. No one was – no one went to jail for that stuff. They went to jail for tax problems. It's just – anybody who thinks the deep state is not real, it has to look at what Christopher Ray said today and some of those... They're lying to you in open public testimony. 
He lied to the American people in open public testimony in what you said. Nobody's going to do anything about it, Seth. There's no. I mean, I heard a few Republican senators try to stand up, but they're so afraid of cancel culture and the the MSM media, and they're not going to do anything. Nobody's going to upset the Apple cause. I have. I did like Trump's speech at CPAC, and man, I hope he's. His voice is heard because I think he's the only counter we have right now. He's got to continue to speak up. He's got to be our counter out there, just calling them out. Because other than Ron DeSantis, I don't really see any Republicans that are calling them out. You got Andy Biggs. You got David Schweiker. You got Debbie Lesko. You got Jim Jordan, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley. Christy Noam, Ron DeSantis. That's a pretty good start. I'd go to war with that team, wouldn't yeah, you? You're correct. Yes, you're correct. And I, it's I too bad we can't do Andy, 10 more, though. That's your point. I pray Andy runs for Senate. I do, too. I, I am going to go donate right now. <laughs> All right. Let me not stop you. God love you, Bob. 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960, portion sponsored by Balance of Nature, a company about which I like to say is good and good for you. It's good for you, obviously, because you get 10 servings of fruits and vegetables in a single daily dose. Think about that. When's the last time you said I had 10 servings of fruits and vegetables today? Unless you're Bill, very few and far between of you can say that. But you get it every day with the balance of nature, one daily dose of balance of nature. Obviously good for you for your health and your immunity. I say it's good too because you're supporting a company that supports us, that supports you, that facilitates this show. You get 31 different fruits and veggies in a single daily dose from apples and cherries and papayas and blueberries to kale and celery and wheatgrass. They have this unique cold press process where they reduce the vital nutrients from these fruits and and veggies into vegetarian capsules. If you don't like swallowing capsules, they are deliberately easy to unscrew so that you unscrew on cap so that you can put them in a drink or on some food if you'd rather do it that way. And they're making it so easy for you. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure in both cases, if you call or order online, to use the discount code BALANCE. Discount code BALANCE. I haven't had a cold since I started taking it, and I usually get a cold several times a year. Sometimes you do hear me sniffle a little here and cough. And I tell you from time to time, it's just the cleaning agents here that they use, this, the um, antiseptic stuff. I have a little bit of an allergic reaction to it from time to time. That's all it is. Speaking of what Bob just called in about Donald Trump's speech, remember yesterday I was saying – I was saying yesterday in talking about big tech and social media that it's an under-aggravated story. An underappreciated story, an under-outraged story. It's underraged. It's not outraged. It's enraged. Funny, enraged and outraged really mean the same thing. Yeah, it's not enraged. It's enraged. 
the entire concept of the fact that the former president of the United States has no social media presence and not by a decision of his. That the main venue for communicating political ideas, thoughts, concerns, debates has been taken away from the former president of the United States. This is an incredible thing to wrap your heads around. So you have Bob a moment ago saying he saw the Trump speech on C-SPAN. Alpha News posted the video, as Scott Johnson reports, of Trump's C-SPAN speech on their YouTube channel. Guess what YouTube did? Bill? Yep, that's it. Removed the video. You bet. The new the uh, the the message from YouTube to Alpha News on this was: Our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our spam, deceptive practices, and scams policy. Former president gives a speech at a major convention. Posts on YouTube, and it gets taken down under the name of Spam, Deceptive Practices, and Scams. George Orwell, if you have any issue, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you know, just stand outside selling your grandfather's book and make it a bestseller again. There is no book that describes our times better than 1984. There is no book. There was this weird little debate 20, 25, 30 years ago, and people were wondering what dystopian novel would describe the times we would come to live in. Would it be 1984? Would it be Algis Huxley, Brave New World? And most people said, you know, it's going to be Brave New World. No, it's 1984. It's 1984. Incredible stuff. Dennis Prager did a great service today. People love lists. They love lists. I'm one of them. My producer, Bill, is always making lists. About fake things, by the way. About things that don't exist, I have to tell you. Things with the word fantasy in front of them. If it's fantasy, it doesn't exist. So he's making lists about things that don't exist. Which is a philosopher's conundrum to me because I don't know – I mean if it's a fantasy, you can just make it up as you go along. If it's a fantasy list of things, you know, I don't know, I like purple cow elephants. Let's put it on the list. It's not a thing. It's a fantasy. What are your fantasy lists of things that don't exist? That's one. What else? Right? All kinds of sports, family, fantasy wrestling teams, fantasy, they don't exist. And yet he is like Rain Man, diligently going through it like it's a serious injuries list. So people love lists to the point of even making stuff up to make lists about. Dennis Prager put out a list today. It's great. It's great. It's a list of 32 questions. Do you know about this? To tell if you're a liberal or a leftist. Because the distinction turns out to be important. The distinction turns out to be important because it turns out, despite what we thought in the 80s, liberals and conservatives have a lot more in common than liberals and leftists and leftists and conservatives. Turns out. 
You want some of these questions? He breaks them down by category. It's really helpful. The categories are views on race and views on America and views on speech. Supremely helpful. Um, On race, number one, many universities now have all-black dormitories and some have all-black graduation exercises. Do you support these developments? Leftist would say yes. A liberal would say no. The University of California has declared this statement racist. Do you agree with the University of California or do you agree with the statement? The statement, there is only one race, the human race. Liberals would agree with that. Leftists would not. Three. Is the goal of being colorblind, doing one's best to ignore a person's color and concentrating only on the personality and character, a noble goal or a racist one? The liberal would say noble. The leftist would say racist. Do you believe the color of a person's skin tells you anything of importance about that person? The liberal would say no. The leftist would say yes. We'll do a little more of this. It's helpful. So he was married to Farah, sang that song after. Do you think that was hard emotionally for him to do that, Lee Majors? Not something you lay awake at night worrying about. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. I uh, I just uh, uh, you commented about Dennis Prager, and I, I did read that, and I was talking to Mrs. Rob about it, and I think that the general overall theme he had had been you can, if, other than... Uh, a leftist, you can talk reasonably uh, in most cases with a, a liberal. Right. Whereas you can even agree with them on a lot. You can agree with them on a lot and vice versa. They can actually agree with us. You bet. I think a lot I of liberals think, would think I'm a liberal, to be honest with you, if they didn't know me. Coming. Well, you're, you're probably like me, a 19th century liberal, right? Not necessarily. I, I Not necessarily. I, I, it turns out, Rob, that maybe we could pursue this uh, at another point, but it turns out I, sure. I may be the least conservative person in most rooms I walk into, believe it or not. Well, well and it depends on, you know, again, we go into definitions. Yep. You know, what is it? What, what are the benchmarks? What yep. does it mean? Uh, what do you stand for, and, yep. and so forth. Yep. Um, also, I, I had to bring up, because you were talking about, you know, 1984, yep. Aldous Huxley and all yep. that. Um, we had, had uh, Kurt Schlichter on last night on our podcast. He was fantastic. And he had written uh, a bunch, about five, and I think he's starting, he's going to have a sixth novel come out. And his novels are about the United States separating into red and blue. That's and right. And, of course, red, red is productive, uh, law-abiding, and carrying guns, and uh, and just normal, everyday, like us. The blue, on the other hand, they have taken everything to the extreme, the cancel culture, uh, the racism, and all the name-calling, and they're all, of course, abject failures at state because of the way they run things as any centralized group always fails. So I think, uh, maybe I'm making a plug for him, but I, I think his novels, and I've read all five of them so far, are very um, prescient. No, they are. I had him on when, Bill, about three, four weeks ago, and we were talking about uh-huh. it. And um, here's my problem, Rob. This is my short segment, and you've given us a meal. Uh, and I've got the <laughs> hall, I've got uh, Hugh Hallman coming in. Uh, give me a ring on this uh, tomorrow. We'll, we'll suspend our, uh, our, our usual two-day rule here. 
And uh, let's pick up on that if I can. Okay. All right, Sounds Rob, good. let me do a quick shout out to Jill and Bonnie. We're listening in Paradise Valley and tell you that the great Hugh Hallman will be in the house in just a few moments. We've got a lot to do with and for you. And if you want to talk to Hugh, like Frazier, he's listening. The number is 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. <laughs> 